Hello and welcome. We are on the last episode of My Fancy Zamboni before Christmas. It is, of course, episode 15. And as per the usual, we are joined today by Mr. David Grant. Hello, Dave. Hello, Joe. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Um, we are joined by the toothless wonder, Mr. Gareth Dutton. Hi, Gref. Good evening, Joe. Good evening. And we are joined by Mr. Andy Stafford himself. Hello, Andy. Good evening, lads. Good evening. Good evening seems to be the word of the day today. Nobody else think about mixing it up. <laughs> um, so, in the last week or so, Cardiff and Sheffield have both been knocked out of the Challenge Cup. Obviously, we've got the uh, the final four uh, in that tournament. Uh, the Flames beat the Panthers 6-2 and the Clan beat the Giants 4-2. So, some, some results that we didn't predict as per the usual. Um, guys, what highlights have we got from the week just gone? For me, highlight-wise... Um... Glasgow clan uh, turning over the, the Giants, um, a result that none of us expected as per our predictions. Um, you know, great great result for um, for Glasgow. Not only that, they, they had a long travel day coming back from Cardiff, where they knocked out the Devils at uh, the Challenge Cup. So uh, a good weekend for for the Glasgow clan and an honourable mention for Cop River, uh, Coventry. Outstanding game for him against the Steelers and that save, um, just wow. For me, it would have to be the the Friday game where it was Dundee versus Nottingham, and Dundee won in overtime. That's something I don't think any of us thought was going to happen. Uh, for me, it was the lightning uh, just out the stars. Uh, it was a really good game. Was Dundee has been on pretty good form so far, um, and for MK to shut them out is a is a fantastic achievement for them. They, you know they're, they're doing really well now. Um, so yeah, it's a win for the for MK. Yeah, for me, um, I, I've got to agree with you, Dave. To be fair, it's Glasgow's week uh, just gone. I mean, obviously the the win against Cardiff was uh, unprecedented to say the least. But there have been a few fixtures like that this week. Um, if you look at the stats of everybody's predictions from the week just gone, uh, they are not good, gentlemen. <laughs> um, <laughs> from thirteen games uh, that we were predicting. Um, given the last podcast we're actually recording on Thursday this week so we've missed the Steelers fixture we didn't predict that one uh, but in 13 games that we predicted uh, Dave got 3 out of 13 right uh, myself and Andy got 4 out of 13 and Greth stormed the pack with 6 out of 13 so Greth leading from the front on that one but in fairness um I mean, even Greth got seven wrong there, so not very good form uh, this week, boys. Not as good as last week. Um, the scores on the doors at the moment are, Dave, you are in last place amongst us with seven um, over the last two weeks. I've got nine. Is, is, that, is that Len Goodman seven? It's, a Len, it's a Len Goodman seven, mate. You can have a Len Goodman seven for that. Seven! Um, um, I've got nine, um, and then Andy with ten, and Greth, you have swept in and taken the lead with eleven out of the last two weeks um, but yeah we will go back to what we usually say and put the disclaimer out there of do not put any accumulators based on our predictions hopefully those numbers just highlight that for you um, we've also guys uh, we've, we've had the Challenge Cup Final Four announced well finalised should I say yeah we have um, as I mentioned uh, Glasgow in overtime um, knocked out the, the Devils um, last night, Guildford Flames, by a sounds like an absolute barn burner, uh, defeated the Sheffield Steelers. 
Um, so that leaves the Panthers taking on the Guildford Flames and the Belfast Giants taking on the Glasgow Clan. Um, if we're brutally honest, I don't think any of us expected them for them fixtures for the semi-finals. No, to be fair, I, I could have seen I could have seen Guildford um, beating Sheffield. Um, I guess the obvious one to say that was unexpected was Glasgow beating Cardiff. Um, just as I say, completely unprecedented. It is. But also, one thing before I put to to Griffin Andy, everyone wanted parity in the Elite League and everything that happens, you know, the league, the, the cup, the playoffs, and this semi-final four shows that now you're seeing a lot more parity that anybody can be anybody in any circumstance and it, it now has the scenario where you can't take a night off and, and and for the standard of the league as much as I'm disappointed seeing the Sheffield not make the final four it's good to have that now that you know every night has to count every night means something you can't take a night off I'm really enjoying it as well I mean you've not got the normal four that are in the semi-finals you've got Two new people, two new teams amongst the pack. That's really good, especially for the league as well. Yeah, it's it's great to see other teams that would normally probably not make now make the uh, this stage of a, of a of our challenge game. So it's it's good to see new teams uh, competing, and uh, hopefully I'd like to see Guildford or probably Glasgow win. It'll be interesting to see who does get the win. Um, Nottingham obviously played the Flames this week just gone, and obviously that that is one of the semi-finals, is, is Nottingham-Guildford. Uh, the Flames actually got a 6-2 win against Nottingham. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they go on moving into that semi-final. I must admit, I, I can see the Flames making the final. Um, but there's a lot of time between now and the semi-final, so you know, Panthers' form can change. Guildford's form could change. Well, they could, you know, roles reverse. So who knows? I, I, I think one thing we're guaranteed is that both sets of semi-finals, I, I can't see guys go, you know, you know, a Pete Russell team's not going to go there and think, you know, we've got to sniff at the final. They're just going to roll over and let Belfast stroll to Cardiff. I think we've, we've just got two semi-finals. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. I agree. I think Guildford, yeah, I think they may possibly get to the final and that would be great for the, the Guildford fans. They won't have far to travel compared to the clan fans if they got in the final. Yeah, I think any any way you cut it, um, looking at the four teams that are left in, certainly going to be an interesting matchup. Um, as you say, Dave, uh, you know Glasgow aren't just going to roll over and let Belfast take it. And in fairness, as we say, um, you know Flames beat Nottingham, the clan beat the Giants, um, just gone as well four two. So we have almost had a pre like a preview of the uh, of the matchups. And in fairness, um, they wouldn't come out the way that you'd have expected them to come out. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the two games split across, and obviously with that bit of silverware as a um, as a bit more of a, a motivation as well. Um, moving on from the Challenge Cup, we've had a few changes in the league again. Not quite as many as a couple of weeks ago. I haven't got ten written down on uh, on my list, but we have got a few more than last week. Um, Dave, we've 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 had a, a new arrival, or should we say, a returning arrival in Sheffield. It is, yes. An old friend of ours, John Armstrong, um, has returned from uh, Medvedev Zagreb, uh, the team in the EBBL that having a lot of problems at the moment. Um, Zagreb's loss is Sheffield's gain. Um, everyone knows what you're getting from him. 
tall forward, goes to the net, gets goals. It's for me, it's it's not the exact player that is needed in Sheffield. However, I do think it's gonna upgrade the skill sets that we've got at the moment. Um and that, you know, it's gonna add the dimension that hopefully just, you know, sparks again Sheffield um going into the, the a, a busy uh, festive uh, period of games. Uh, so a good sign of, you know and also the guy knows the league, which is crucial because you you know any new import takes time to bed and get used to it. We've seen, you know, players with superb resumes come over thinking, oh, it's going to be a cakewalk and actually just do nothing. So to have a new, a new guy coming in at this, stage, this time of the year, knowing the league as he has for the past two years, it's a win-win situation for Sheffield, if I'm honest. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, a, it's a good player, uh, again, another returnee uh, from last season. Um, and there's, there's a bit of a debate going about that, which we'll go into a bit later. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's another returnee for Sheffield. A good player, but not exactly what I think Sheffield needs, but hopefully uh, we'll bolster some of the uh, fours up as well and just bring an element that maybe we are missing. Uh, but yeah, uh, he's a good player and hopefully uh, will we'll help us out while we're there. Yeah, I think as well, with the son of Armstrong, you've got some first, you say, first legs to the, the forward lineup. And he, he knows all the guys, but most of the guys anyway from being there previously. The only thing I'll say, I'll get that out there right now, is he better not run our goalie. Hmm. With, with players. <laughs> Sorry, Griff, when did you become a Nottingham fan? Just getting out there now. I mean, there's only been several jokes there already made about it. We'll we'll make sure that he doesn't breathe anywhere near Ben Bounds leading up to uh, leading up to Slovakia because we know that he yeah, has yeah, a ten- yeah. he has yeah, a tendency to injure ankles. Apparently, um, not quite <laughs> sure how. Um, but yeah, we'll leave that well alone. In fairness, we'll leave that well alone. Um, for me, I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I kind of disagree. I, I think that he is what Sheffield needed at the moment. I think I, I think what we're lacking in in certain aspects is is primary goal scoring. I mean you look at um you look at most of our goals at the minute seem to be coming from Robert Dowd and Ben O'Connor. I mean when you consider one of those as a D man, um, you know, we we've we've signed a load of marquee forwards that should be putting him in the back of the net. Um players like Evan McGrath, um, you know, he's turned up, he's he's put a few goals in at the start of the season and then not really done anything. Uh, you know, Josh Pitt's gone a bit more quiet um, you had players like Della Revere that people thinking could put the put the puck in the back of the net a few times, and obviously, I mean, I, I rate Della Revere, but he's he's not putting the puck in the net. Um, obviously, we signed Neely as a guy who can put the back the who can put the points on the board, and, and obviously he's got that injury. So, I think in fairness, Armstrong obviously brings his size. He's a good skater for a guy that size, but he's also got some good puck handling skills as well, and he's shown he can score. Um, that that's that's the bottom line for me. I mean, you look at you look at his stats for Sheffield. Um, I mean, in fairness, he's played eighty three games in the Elite League and put eighty two points on the board. Um, so he, he looks yeah, like a guy that we need. Yeah, I can see your point, Joe. I mean, I, I do think he'll spark something that may you know <laughs> energize um, some of the guys to, you know to get their scoring boots back in on, on, on. so. And it works out. I, it's not, I'm not saying he's not the player. He's he brings more skill and it's, it improves what we've got. Yeah. Um. So you know, and it'd be good to see John back. Um. That goal getting the semi-final of the playoffs. Nice little memory there. 
So hopefully he does a few more. Hopefully in the semi-final of the playoffs as well. <laughs> That'd be nice, yes. Uh, moving on from Armstrong, um, Greth, uh, Glasgow have made a new signing, another returnee to the league. They have indeed. They've made a signing of William Doucet. Cardiff fans know him well, so they were okay fans, and previously at the Elite League, full Stingrays, and now obviously Panthers as well. This is like his fifth club in the Elite League, so he, he knows the, the league very well. Can put up decent amount of numbers. Seems like it's the player that Pete Russell needs to put up more points. He's not always going to be wanting getting the points from the exact same three players every time. It's going to be someone else that can do it now, which is good for them, but obviously not good for other teams in the league. No, I, I, you know he's, he knows what he, he's, he knows where the back of the net is, uh, and that's, I suppose that's what probably Glasgow was missing a little bit. Um, so you know, Pete Russell's landed well with that type of signing, um, and uh, Pete Russell knows him well from his previous uh, teams. And uh, like I say, everyone knows what you get, but you get a quality player. And a guy who can put, you know, he'll get he'll get good stats by the end of the season, and he'll help Glasgow. He'll he'll give them that shot of making the final eight. That's for me the difference maker. He's that good a player. He's going to give him that shot. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's good to see him back. He, he was he's a good good hockey player, and you know, from a Glasgow perspective, hopefully he does do well. Yeah, I do say it's a different player that uh, I think Glasgow needed. The only notable one uh, that I've raised so far is is Vakarov Stupka, so uh, hopefully now he'll do set up up there to get the points. And uh, yeah, it's a good signing for Pete Russell's side. Yeah, I think, um, in fairness, another cracking signing to the league, another returnee, as we say, that experience in this league is so crucial. Um, a lot of the time you see players moving around teams like that, you sometimes see a bit of a deficit in their points. Um, they might start off strong or and then you know kind of dip off as they move to the third or fourth team. I mean, you look at Doucette, um, he played for Hull, 52 games, 69 points. Uh, he then came to play for the Panthers, 23 games, 25 points. Uh, Cardiff, two seasons um, with... But it looks 100 games and 69 points. Um, and then MK, 56 games, 52 points. So, in fairness, another cracking player in terms of point production. Uh, in 231 games in the Elite League, he has 0.93 points per game. So, certainly a player that, that Glasgow would have wanted to sign, a player that Glasgow would have needed. Um, you know, they, they pulled off a great result against, um, against Cardiff in the Challenge Cup. Maybe Doucette can give them that extra bit of a push to, you know, to step the game up and, and as Dave says, move into that final eight and, and secure that position. Um, moving on from that, then we also have Andy. We have a signing in Fife. Yeah, we do. We have uh, Craig Moore, who has joined on loan from, from uh, Cardiff for the rest of the season. He's uh, a really good British D-man. Uh, put some fair decent points for. Uh, for a guy this age, um, yeah, so it's a bit of sign from from five uh, this season. He's got he's got five points in twenty five games, um, which I, I think is down to a lack of ice time more than anything. You know, Cardiff have got a super super bolstered roster, so finding the ice time for for more must be pretty difficult. But hopefully in five, he'll, he'll see a lot more time and get more points in the ball. 
I must admit, it's, it's a good signing for Fife and for Craig himself. But I'm baffled in the context of Cardiff allowing, even if it's on loan, allowing a, a player of his, of his skill set, a quality guy, quality hockey player, moving to another team. Um, I, you know, I, I don't understand that move as logic from a Cardiff perspective. I understand he'll want the more ice time and he's going to get that in Fife. Um, so, you know, it's, it's Cardiff's lost Fife's game. Um, but, and he's also a lot, he's a funk, Cody, so, you know, to play for his home team. Um, so it'd be, it'd be a good draw for him, and uh, it makes Fife a bit more dangerous. They've eight had their slump. He's, he's going to add that bit of uh, bolster, that, that defence core that they've got. It's, it's going to help them out, because, you know, with the slump that they've had recently, they're going to need it. Yeah, I think it's going to be, like, Craig's probably going to be, like, a, one of their top four D-men. Is He's definitely shown that he can, in this league he can do really well. I mean, it's going to be even challenging now once he gets more ice time for one of the seats in the play into Kasichi, the World Championships. It's going, one be, of the points. it's going to be it's one of those. <laughs> so he always says one of the points I'm going to make. He gets he'll get top four ice time and he'll push himself into one of them slots. I think I think I'll be honest. I think he will. Get over that lineup and, and make that uh, that team. Yeah, it's, it's certainly um, it's an intriguing signing for me. I agree, it's a good signing for Craig himself. It's a great signing for Fife, um, as you say, Dave. I mean, they started off so strong this at the start of the season. Uh, I had a, I, I put a bit of money on uh, on them winning the league. It doesn't look like it's going to pull through, but um, that's the other thing that strikes me as odd. In addition to Cardiff letting a guy of his quality go, they're letting a guy of his quality go to a. a a team who aren't out of the league runnings yet. Do you know if they'd have given them to Dundee or Milton Keynes, then you know I'd have kind of maybe understood it a little bit more. But they're giving him to a team that you know realistically, if Cardiff have a bit of a slump and, and Fife pull the finger out and get back on it as they were at the start of the season, then then Fife could easily walk away with the silverware. And to give them such a quality player to aid them do that, it just seems a bit strange. It does, um, but you know. Andrew Lord hasn't got much wrong in his tenure as, as coach of the Devils. So, you know, let's see how this runs out. Um, it may be his first big mistake. Who knows? It, it could be it could be pulled off a blessing in disguise. But, you know, I think it will all become a bit clearer come the end of the season. Yeah, that'll certainly be interesting. I think that'll be the telltale sign is, is where they finish at the end of the season, what, what kind of role he plays in Fife. Um, it interests me to see these loan signings being made out a lot more internally. Um, you know, we've seen it over the last few seasons of players being on two-way deals with the EPL or the NIHL. Um, but this season, there's, you know, there's been a couple of guys, and I know we talked about it at the start of the, you know, the first couple of episodes of the podcast, but a couple of guys that have been internally loaned from like the Steelers to MK, obviously with with Shudra, and um, you know, more obviously going from Cardiff to to Fife. It, it, it's a bit of an unseen thing that seems to be creeping in, and I'm I'm not quite sure where this trends come from. I, I, if I'm honest, I think it comes from one thing. There's no strong second tier. The, the NIHL isn't... There's too much of a gap between the NIHL, and this is up with all respect to the NIHL, between there and the Elite League. So to have players that you still want within your system, to give them the ice time to get their teeth into it, to get them back to a stage where they can go into and play full minutes for their parent team, it's, it's, it's unique. I'll, I'll give you that. I, to say, I don't recall ever. Um, as many, never mind one, um, 
interleague loan signings. You know, and I think until you have that strong second tier, I think you may see more of them. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, um, yeah, since, since the EPL demise, it's, it's the, the quality's not quite been there. Um, you know, there's obviously been some players from the lower leagues who have stepped up to the league uh, and IHL, and, and most teams are just absolutely dominating each other because they've just got players who were, you know, complete different abilities to another team. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's not as strong as what the EPL was, and I think. We are missing that sort of structure. We spent a lot of time speaking about that on a podcast or two ago, so uh, it's old ground that we're not sure we need to go over again. Yeah, I'm going to say with the risk of um, you know to try and steer away from us going back into that, because I know we could all discuss um, the gap again and, and what needs to happen in, in British ice hockey. We'll steer away from that, but I will stay with the NIHL. Um, there has been a couple of movements of players from the Elite League to the NIHL. Um, Tyler Van Cleef from Nottingham, as um, he's obviously he's been dropped by the Panthers, he's now been announced to have signed for the Bratnell Bees. What, what do we make of that signing? It's good for Van Cleef. Um, I mean, my problem is when I think Bratnell Bees. I, I remember the old Super League days and they were the, the, the bogey team of the Sheffield Seals when, you know, there was they won the, the Super League uh, many years ago. Um, he, he put himself in the window. Uh, he came pretty much straight from college and he's put himself in the window to play for Nottingham. And in all fairness, yes, he was released, but he didn't do anything wrong. Okay, he didn't do enough to stay in, in Nottingham. Um, so, goes down to Bracknell. As, as I know we just said he's not the strong second tier, but as compared to these go... The southern section is is probably more competitive than north, so it's probably a good signing for Tyler. It'll be a great signing for for the Bratton Bees, um, and he'll he'll put himself in the window again for maybe come next season as a budget signing for one of the elite league teams. You know that last import. I think that as well. It's given him a lot of lifetime whilst he's down there because he's going to be at least in the starting roster every single week where he can do he's going to be training a lot and then I mean he could even go to I'd say probably Guildford they could ask him to come training with them because that's not far from them but you know who knows in this in this league at the moment there's been a, a lot of changes <laughs> yeah definitely it's, it's a great signing for Van Cleef and Blackmore uh I don't think the NHL currently has a player who's played in the East Coast League and it's put up some uh, decent numbers uh, with, with Rapid City. Um, but as, as Dave said, I just didn't do enough to stay in Nottingham because, you know, again, they have got a massive roster uh, full of players who are putting up a, a lot of points that is. So it's been quite difficult for him to, to keep up. But it's, just, it's a good sign for both of them and I can see Van Cleef being one of the top scorers for that middle season. Yeah, it'll be good as well. It'll get, get him the um, the all-important C-word. It'll get him that confidence as well. I mean, the thing is, yes, there's a huge gap between the IAHL and the NIHL. But on the flip side, you know, he's still getting more experience playing in that league than he is sitting on a bench. Um, and that's the bottom line. I mean, there's nothing to stop him from training with teams in the elite league. As you say, Guildford's always there. You know, he may even still train with Nottingham. Who knows how they're going to work it? But the thing is... 
if he's getting that training with the players in the Elite League and then getting the ice time in the NIHL, whilst there's going to be a big gap if he does jump back to the Elite League next year to play, he's going to have got a lot more experience, a lot more confidence and a lot more game time than he's going to be getting if he stays in the Elite League. And, and it's something that's so key in this league at the moment that we're seeing. And obviously it happens a lot. Um, do you know, It's the reason that Cole Shooter is on the loan with MK. Um, do you know, it's, it's the reason that Kieran Brown's just been... Um, dropped well, essentially just been traded over. We'll we'll discuss that in a second. It's the reason that Brad Days, um, you know, ended up playing in the NAHL because it, yes, there's a gap, but still they're they're playing at the end of the day. Um, coming back to Kieran Brown, then Kieran Brown's another one. Uh, obviously, was on a two-way deal between Sheffield and Blackburn Hawks. Um, it has been announced apparently I haven't seen anything official but it's on Elite Prospects and apparently Blackburn have released something he has been traded to the Sutton Sting now um, what, what do you think to that guys? A little bit of a sidewards move for him um, you know, Blackburn and Sutton were, were there or thereabouts um, I, I suppose you know, for home games he's, he's still in Sheffield um, it's a bit there's nothing genuine in that respect. Um, just a different team and uh, more resp- you know, different responsibilities. And this, but that really is just it. Um, and, you know, for any fans of Kieran Brown, get more chance to see him as a sort of play their league home games at uh, Sheffield. So, gives him more chance to see him. Uh, it's been really strange for Steelers and Sutton because uh, essentially Steelers have brought up uh, a D man called Jonas Fredrickson who. Until last night, I'd never heard of. Uh, yeah, that's a strange one, but I suppose that it's just a fill in the day for us until we find someone more permanent for that role. Um, but yeah, it's essentially uh, a trade, as you said, with Blackbird, Sutton, for Kieran, uh, with Jonas coming up to, to the Steelers. Uh, it'd be nice to still see Brown start for the Steelers at some point, so hopefully we'll, we'll still get to see him. Seems more like you, Sutton and Steelers are getting more like an, uh, an affiliation. So like between like the I'd say the AHL to the East Coast League, in that in that respect, with the you're getting one player up. Oh yeah, we'll send one player to you there. In that respect. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from, uh, Graf. There seems to be a lot more, and also behind the scenes that you hear a lot of cooperation between the two clubs. It's, for me, I suppose it's just a shame that. It's it's now when I say this is not against Sutton, the same it's not with the other Sheffield team because you know that just be more natural, wouldn't it? You know Sheffield, Sheffield, Sheffield. But that's a different discussion for a different day, I suppose. Yeah, Sheffield are in a unique position, really, or, or not not necessarily unique, but um, a more uncommon position that they you know they could realistically be looking to set up their own kind of farm team kind of arrangement with the Steel Dogs, but. Then we're finding players on two-way deals with Blackburn and, and going to Sutton. So yeah, I agree with that. Um, with Brown, I've seen a lot of people complaining on social media. Um, I know that social media is the forum for all complaints at the moment, but um, yeah, it, it, you know, people complaining and saying Brown's been a good player for us. He's a young kid that's not scared to throw his body in. Um, you know, he'll, he'll he'll get stuck in. That's fine. That's great. I don't necessarily disagree. I have to say. Um, you know, it's a difficult position to be in, and the problem is what people don't seem to appreciate is Brown was going to be sat on the bench. The only reason that Brown's been playing over the last week, two weeks, is because Eric nearly got injured and we didn't have anybody to replace him. 
That fourth line beforehand was Brandon Whistle, um, Anthony DeLuca and Eric Neely. Eric Neely goes out, in comes Brown for a few games. Other than that, Brown was going to be sat on the bench. And it, there's nothing wrong with that when you've got a team full of imports and you've got a team full of players where you can play four solid lines of players with experience. You're not going to bring in a guy that's you know still finding his feet in this league. And it's, it's the same with Brandon. If you listen to Tom Barrasso about Brandon Whistle, he was saying the thing is, you know, he's, he's still too small, he still lacks a bit of experience to play at this level. But, I mean, Kieran Brown's the level below that. And so, yeah, I think Barrasso's remit's a lot different going back 12 months for Sheffield, whereas, you know, Thompson had the remit to also try and bring on like he did with, with Liam Kirk, or at least enhance his, his, his progression. Brasso's remit, I'm, I'm going two plus two, could be completely wrong, but it's to get the wins, get the comfort, get the team playing better, move them up the table. Development kind of just falls by the wayside for the time being. So I, I, I do agree with you in that respect, uh, Joe. You know, it's he got the game time through luck. He, he, took, he, you know, he took every opportunity he can do. This gives him more um, ice time. And again, it's just a word of confidence. You'll get that um, playing for Sutton. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, that's what it's all about at the moment: is building that confidence for the, for that type of player, getting them that game experience. Um, moving back to the elite league in terms of players signing in the elite league. Um, Dave Coventry have made a signing uh, from the same team as Armstrong, by the looks. Yeah, it looks like uh, it's a jumble sale in Zagreb as they've signed um, Ivan Puzic. Uh, I believe I say perhaps his surname, positive is not. Um, very under the radar signing, but actually a guy who's played a lot for the senior side nationally uh, for Croatia, under 20s and the uh, national side. So a guy with, you know, Decent pedigree experience playing in the EBBL is not a bad lead. Um, you know, it's not a lead to ten years about. Um, and you know, he's gonna again, it's gonna bolster Coventry, who's again, again, we went a few weeks ago. They keep kind of going up and down in terms of form. Some of the hearts I've seen of him, he looks a very steady player. Looks nothing, nothing flash, nothing, nothing out there. But he's gonna give them that steadiness. Um, so you know, a young guy. Uh, so a bit, you know, a bit of bit of hunger in that respect. Um, should do a good job in Coventry. I agree as well. I think he is. From looking at his stats wise, he looks re- as a really good D man to have, especially when he was playing in the as a as a youth player in the Czech and the Twenty League. And he's still did all right in the Czech Two League, and his stats with Zagreb they look. Pretty decent as well for for his age as well. The, for a twenty-two year old, he's only going to grow with, as what you mentioned with the C word, the confidence, especially in this league as well. Yeah, he's, he's start start to bat at all, and uh, I think he'll do a very good job for commentary. Is is Ibar Benson? He's a young guy. Um, so got Scott. Oh, a lot of girlfriend experience to do, but um, he's, he's got some uh, some good teams under his belt, and hopefully can do a good job for country. Yeah, he looks to have got a lot of uh, a lot of good experience under his belt, Dave. As you say, he's you know he's up there with the experience playing for the national team. Uh, he's played in a bit in the top Czech league. He's played in the Czech two and the Czech three as well. 
and obviously the EBL. So you know they're not they're not they're not leagues to to turn your nose up to. Um, you know, play for Zagreb. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, John Armstrong was a top point point output player in the elite league for the last couple of years. He was playing in the same team, so you know they, they've obviously got a decent caliber of players that they're signing. Um, Coventry also obviously had a bit of a hole in their roster, um, as we discussed last time round. Trey Lewis obviously had to retire for or well, stop playing hockey for medical reasons. Obviously, a defenseman that left a bit of a hole in their roster. Um, and in fairness, uh, you know, Puzic um, seems to be a, a good guy to bring in to fill that hole. Um, I think it's a bit of a wait and see signing. Defensive stats are always a bit more difficult to read for me. Um, everybody kind of talks about points, but I mean, people forget defenseman's job isn't to put up points, it's to stop the goals or to stop the breakthroughs. So, you know, if he's, if he's putting up a strong plus minus, um, you know, stat and he's only putting in five points on the, on the game sheet. I won't be complaining if he'd sign for us. That that's that's the thing to note. Um, and as I say, it's a thing that people often forget. Is is it's the amount of goals that they're stopping. I mean, he got a minus five playing for Zagreb over twenty four games, but realistically, I mean, looking at through his stats, his plus minus is mainly in the pos- in the positives. Um, he get a plus twenty in one season playing for the Czech under in the Czech under twenties league. So decent signing. We'll see how he see if he lands on his feet coming into this league. Say it's a bit of a wait and see one for me. Um, moving on again, there was one that I don't know whether we discussed last week um, or not. It was regarding Josh Gratton. Who wants to explain about Josh Gratton? Bizarre one in terms of the output that he he, he gave. He was a point a game uh, guy. Um, appeared to be a bit of a heartbeat of the team. Um, it, it would look like from the outside looking in a bit of a we need to make a decision we need to make a change um, and you know they've, they've gone with Grattan I mean obviously they've brought in Doucette could be many reasons it could you know could be other reasons that you know unbeknown to, to anybody in the general public but it, it does seem a strange move to get rid of a guy who's, who's getting a point a game um, especially on a team that's struggling for, for offence um, and also you know had that bit of toughness we all saw that Good scrap he had in Manchester um, towards the beginning of the season. So I think with that ha- with that movement of player getting rid of um, Grattan, bringing in set, I think there's, there's, there's a gamble being made by by Pete Russell. But yeah, again, I think come April we'll see if it's paid off. I'm not. I think it may pay off, nice, given the the talent that Doucette brings. But who knows? I think yeah, it's, it, the the thing that I thought was more that he's lost the talent of Grattan's played in the NHL, the AHL, KHL. It's that experience that he's lost, but obviously with what Doucette brings, you know, he's going to be putting up points as well as Josh has already put up the points. We think I I personally think Doucette's probably going to put up more. In respect of goals, yeah, this is one I, I didn't quite understand. Uh, 23 games, 23 points. I probably said there was more players on the team that I would have uh, probably released instead. Uh, I mean, from my point of view, I could see Stucker, uh, Doucette, and Grattan being a really good first line for, for Glasgow, but obviously it wasn't meant to be. But what I have lost is, is a good game in Doucette. Um, so maybe it will be. A good choice from Glasgow, maybe it won't, but 
again, we'll see by the end of the season whether it paid off or not. Yeah, it's a bit of a bizarre one when you look at his stats. I mean, um, you know, he's played 23 games, 23 points. That's not normally a guy that you'd be throwing out the door come, you know, come Christmas time. Uh, I know that Doucette's a good signing. I think he's four years younger. Um, you know, he's got a bit more of a track record in the Elite League in, in showing that he can put up the points. But I don't know. I, I agree with you, Andy. You would have expected them to get rid of other people first. The only thing I can think of with that is... Um, you know, if they're playing similar roles, maybe they didn't have the room for two of the same role player in that capacity, or whether it was a wage thing. But it just doesn't make sense to me, um, particularly if you've got Gratton already clicked with the team, twenty-three points in twenty-three games, or say a point a game. Changing the status quo. I know that sometimes maybe the team needs a bit of a kick up the backside to get going, but you wouldn't think taking out one of the top point scorers would be would be that move, but. A shrewd move by Russell. We'll, we'll we'll see how it pays off for him as we get through to the end of the season. I guess this is the only real way you can look at it. Um, finally, there is one last change on my list. Um, it's an unfortunate one for me, to be fair. Well, unfortunate uh, in terms of the quality of the player. Probably a fortunate from an opposition fan's perspective. Uh, is Francis Bavillier has decided to hang up his skates for Belfast to pursue a career outside of hockey. Um, Bavillier was a stellar player for them, in fairness. 12 points in 20 games. A guy that, in fairness, I noticed most games that we played against Belfast, whether that was on a webcast or whether that was uh, obviously live at the arena. Um, a bit of a strange one. It's a strange one. Um, it was a standout, like you said, when we when we saw them over in Sheffield the doubleheader. I mean, you look at the hat when you watch the highlights of Giants games. Bavillier's name was, was kind of always mentioned. So, it you know these things happen. It's an opportunity you can't turn down. Um, yeah, gets himself ready for for life after hockey. And these things happen. I think to take it as more of a you know the old phrase you know don't cry cause, you know don't cry for anything smile because it happened. And you know Belfast fans got to see a good hockey player in Bavillier. Um but you know I think the question is you know can Adam Keith um, replace him? One of one of his uh, top end uh, players. So it'll be to see how he brings um, and his replacement. So um, keep an eye on that one. It's not very often you see a guy at 25 years of age uh, retiring for. You know, to pursue styles away from hockey, usually you'll see that in, in your 30s or, or something like that. But it must be in a difficult position to actually quit the game. But you now, for a guy of his age and to have somebody, it, it must be worthwhile to have quit the sport. Uh, I mean, this season he's got 12 points from 20 games, and last season uh, he played another league with the VHL with my tub and moose. So it's, it's a strange one, but. Um, Hopefully, you know, it's, it's, it's the best thing for him and I, th I think I wish him all the best of luck in his future career. Yeah, I think it as well. It's a, a strange one, but hockey's unfortunately, is not around for forever for people that are playing it, especially at the competitive level that he's in. And he's got to think of his future ahead. It's unfortunate it's come now, but it's... It's unfortunate times. I know for a fact though that I think Keith will no doubt get a, a, a stellar player in, even whilst we're in December. I'm sure he'll still get someone that's, in a top, that's like a top end player because he was one of those, one of their best players from 
from what I've seen him play at our rink as well, as well as the double header over in Sheffield. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think from this particularly is what kind of wage is this guy going to, you know, is he going to free up? Um, as, as Andy said, he played the 17-18 season, he played 43 games for Manitoba Moose in the AHL. To sign a guy directly from the AHL to the Elite League, you've got to kind of ask the question, what kind of wage is he taking up? And in fairness, if he's going, it's not for unfortunate reasons. You know, we've had a few times this season where players have been leaving for personal reasons. You know, he's not going out on personal reasons. There's no speculation, as far as I've seen, that it may be family problems or or health issues. It's that he's going to go and try and pursue a career outside of hockey. Obviously, looking to make a better life for himself and his family. So, you know, in that aspect, a positive reason to leave. And in fairness, it's got to be exciting as a Giants fan as well as disappointing because. Whilst you're thinking it's a shame that he's had to go, uh, you know, as I say, he's a stellar player, a top quality player, you've also got to be excited as to what kind of guy Keith's going to bring in with that wage. No, definitely. It's uh, it's, it's not like they've lost their fourth, a fourth liner in terms of wage well. So, and, and the pull that Belfast has uh, and their, their connections and, and what they're standing in the hockey world um I'm looking forward to seeing who they bring in because I think that he, I think they'll Adam Keefe will get like for like. I think he'll find that type of player. Yeah, it's also like it's interesting for Belfast as well because you know Bavillier may have been a top two or three forward playing for half the teams in the Elite League, but you look at some of the players like Blair Riley, Patrick Dwyer, Kyle Bowne that that Belfast have got. Whilst Bavillier was a stellar player you may still have seen him playing on the second line. And in fairness, to have that wage to free up a second line play, I mean, obviously speculation about his wage, obviously we have no idea what he's been paid, but you can only assume as a guy coming straight at the AHL that it was pretty hefty. Um, you know, ha- having his wage freed up to be able to bring in an, a, another player to play on that second line, it'll be interesting. Um, moving from the changes then, obviously onto something slightly different. Um, the Department of Player Safety, in addition to having a new media man with the most boring voice in the world, um, have also they've been a bit active again this week. We've not seen them for a couple of weeks, uh, but they have been getting a bit busy again. Gref, do you want to tell us about the decision they've made this week? Yeah, they've given Hunter Bishop of the Belfast Giants a one-game ban for elbows. From what it looked like in in person as much as anything. I've not actually seen the video, I've just seen it what it happened at the time. It was from what the uh, what I read from that safe it is it was like what clueless? Careless. He, he, careless, sorry, yeah. He he looked like he knew what he was doing. I mean it was going all game between Springer and any any of the Giants players. A few of those were going he was getting really round up and then obviously Bishops took it into his own hands and just forced an elbow. It's pretty much done like he thought it was the rock for the second with the people's elbow. <laughs> yeah, I saw that and I didn't understand the use of careless. Um it looked like he he knew what he was doing. It weren't like it was all in one motion uh, from the hip onto him to, to the elbow. Um, 
not the most wisest of moves, not the you know, not the most wisest of plays, and I, I suppose you know, one game's fine for me. It's it's daft, it's, it's stupid, it's not the end of the world though. So I, I think Dops has uh, got it right on this occasion. Um, but interesting just, just to carry on in terms of what we've mentioned before about Dops being very quiet. Um, reading one of the the um, previous media people, and they they've kind of made a move to not mention as much in terms of the number of reviews they've had because the numbers have actually increased. So you, although we've mentioned before, it's we've been very quiet on the front where last year the Elite League was publishing all their reviews and we're reviewing this and even though nothing happened. I think because of the number of reviews and the number of incidences, they've actually made the decision to, oh, it appears reading between lines, to not actually publish every single one and just the ones that have actual implications. Uh, I don't know what, what your guys think to that. Um, yeah, I, I suppose it saves them a bit of time in, uh, you know, obviously if you post something and there's been no outcome, then that's kind of a, maybe a bit of a waste of time for some people that are listening and, and watching it. So that, uh, no, no, no action has been taken. So maybe it's from the viewpoint of, you know, we're just going to do the important ones, the ones that have actually uh, made sanctions in, in within. Uh, so that's the only reason I can really think of why. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I can see... And, and, you know, I thought it was a bad move at first. I thought they should have been publicising what was being reviewed because for, for no other reason than I just thought it, it shed them in bad light or it shed the league in bad light if you were getting a bad hit that didn't look as if it had been reviewed. A few months down the line, when you look at it, yes, you know, we're not hearing as much. Great, you know, if there's still as many being reviewed, I guess on one aspect it's a good thing because it, at least you know that any questionable hits are being looked at. But at the same time, there's not as much heat on social media. There's not as much heat, you know, coming out there from the fans of the league. Maybe there was for the first few weeks where people were saying, oh, that's not being reviewed. But I think people have kind of come to terms with the fact that either it's not going to be announced or obviously there's also then the speculation of, oh, has it been reviewed? Was it requested by the team? If it wasn't requested by the team, is it because it wasn't as bad as it looked? You know, it gives that kind of amount of reason rather than people just going, oh, you've reviewed it and it's no action, so I'm going to complain about it. But also, when you've got that tweet out there saying this has been reviewed and this is the decision, it then leads to 200 comments from people across the Elite League saying, oh, this is a terrible decision or, oh, this is good. On the flip side now, we've just got you know quite quiet. It's kind of taking the heat away. It's taking the focus away from the bad hits and and it's bringing the attention more to the results in the league rather than the hits and the and the, the foul play. Um, with regards to the decision um, in the incident with uh, with with uh, Hunter Bishop, yeah, I kind of I agree with you, Dave. In that I kind of I dispute the reasoning but I agree with the findings if that makes sense like I, I just yeah. don't by any means think that saying category one careless covers what he's doing I mean that to me suggests that he was he, it almost suggests that they, they were just saying oh well he was just using his elbow to try and help him up and unfortunately the guy's head was under his elbow like he's lying on top of the guy there's no way he doesn't know he's there there's no way he doesn't know that his head's there when he's putting his elbow the flip side, I guess, I guess the way they're coming from is it's not like he piled his nose into the ice 
Um, I wonder if the careless side of things was for the contact to the ice. I didn't really put much force behind it, so maybe their argument there is that you know he, he meant for a bit of a contact on the back of the head, but it was more just a bump to say, you know, do that again and we'll go, or just a bit of a bump on the back of the head. Maybe they're kind of trying to insinuate that the, the contact to the ice was, was more the careless side of things, because in, in fairness, it's not like he smashed his face in the ice and gave him a bloody nose. He just kind of... Gave him a bit of a knock and his head kind of bounced forward. But I, I think I, one game's good. It was a stupid move by Bishop. I think he probably knows that now. Um, I, I'd have been disappointed to see no games. I'd have been disappointed to see two games, to be fair. One game's perfect. I just don't think the word careless really covers it. Um, we have, moving on from that, we have a bit more... Uh, some news on 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 the on the not so positive side, Dave. Do you wanna do you wanna fill us in on what's gone on um, on the sad side yeah, of the world? It's um, horrible news. Um, so you know uh, the ex Cardiff player Scott Matsker, um sadly passed away, um, losing his, his battle with with ALS, um, motor neuron disease, as is what's termed in the UK. Um, for those who remember him, uh, a couple of years, two or three years he played at Cardiff, but you remembered him. He was the guy that you wanted um, on your team. Uh, absolute warrior, um, you know, quality hockey player. He was one of the guys who was uh, selected for the Belfast Select team who played the Boston Bruins. Um, and they brought a few imports in to help them give the Bruins a bit of a game. Um, and... He was a warrior on the ice, and his, his fight off the ice to, with his battle was just the same. Um, he's just sad. It's, it's just horrible. Um, obviously, our thoughts, and I, I speak for all four of us, our thoughts and uh, prayers with his family, this horrible news. But in one respect, the way he highlighted, you know, ALS, you know, highlighting that, um, it was good because it, it puts it in the spotlight, gives it the focus that we need to um, um, to, to give it so that, you know, funding and treatment and just awareness. If anything good comes out of it, which, you know, no good comes out of death, it's awareness that, you know, this still needs fighting, it still needs the right funding and everything. So those who played in the All-Stars, the, the charity weekend, on the neck, there's the, the M, that uh, the devil's in for the, the, the Matska fundraiser. Um, and I think everybody who has an All-Star shirt with that on, it'll mean a little bit more the next time you put an All-Star jersey on. Yeah, it's, it's horrible news to read. Um, as you say, the awareness side of things and, and to see the movement from um, the hockey world in terms of, of, obviously, as you say, that awareness of, of ALS, of motor neurone um, disease, it, it, as you say, that's the positive to take from it, but it, it it's just a scary thing to see. I mean, you he did a film, I believe. I was I was I had a bit of a read um, after I read what had happened. I it's just scary to see a guy that was at his physical peak. Um, do you know he was a he was a fantastic player, as you say, when he played for Coventry. Um, it, it's two absolute legends of the elite league that we've lost over the last twelve months, because obviously we've had Adam Calder as well. Um, a, another player, in fairness, two players that I would have put in a very similar boat in terms of skill set and ability. Um, but Matska was, you know, he was at his physical peak. He was very, very strong. He was very fit and active. 
um, and then all of a sudden he's, he's just hit with ALS. Um, and I was I was reading up on it, and it said something like, oh, whenever he moved his right arm to go for a gear stick in a car, or whenever he clenched his fists, um, he couldn't unclench them without some effort because he, his body was just shutting down. It, it, it's just it's horrendous to see, um, and the proactiveness and the positivity coming out of Matska with that of I'm going to fight this and I'm going to raise that awareness is completely admirable and I think it makes it that even bit more um, heart-wrenching across the league to see uh, that obviously he's unfortunately he's lost that battle but you know as, as, as Dave as you say you know we, we wish his family all the best obviously it's a hard time um, and obviously we've just got to remember what he's done um, keep that M on the jersey yeah, absolutely you know and again it's more smile because it happened smile because we were lucky to see him play the game that he loved play the game that we all love just to smile and remember the good memories that Scott Matsker uh, brought to us either as a friend or foe um, as he never wore the Sheffield covers but uh, yeah that's, that's he had some great memories for, for hockey fans to remember him by Yeah, um, moving on from that, anyway, obviously carrying on with uh, the rest of the agenda that we've got down. Um, we've had a progression in the CHL in the Champions Hockey League. Dave, uh, we don't get to hear many more of your uh, international pronunciations. We are down to the uh, the slightly easier teams to pronounce now. Um, but anyway, for, for all time's sake, we'll let you give us the rundown of the CHL. Can you hear the devastation in his voice? I am gutted. devastation. So, yeah, uh, the quarterfinals ended, and wow, is the best way to describe the quarterfinal ending. Um, we'll go, we'll get rid of one fixture, because that was a blowout. Uh, Frilunda ended up winning their tie 10-2 against Bruno. Um, that was the only one blowout, so... Red Bull Munich, first German team to win the quarterfinals, now the first German team in the semifinals in overtime, winning in Malmo, 7-6 overall. Salzburg, first Austrian team in the quarters, now the first Austrian team in the semis, winning 4-3 overall against Karabat Alu. There you go, Joe. Um, the tighter game, the one that no one really expected to be tight, Pilsen, Skeleftia, um, three all in the first leg. Two goalless to the 58th minute. Skelefti gets the first goal. I think they've got it. Pilsen equalised. 40 seconds left. Goes all the way to penalties. Pilsen sends the home crowd crazy. And they go to the semi-finals. And it leaves us with two semi-finals, which I can't wait to watch. Frölunda against Pilsen. And then we have the Battle of the Wings, we'll call it. Red Bull Munich against Red Bull Salzburg. Um... The game in Munich, already, three or four weeks beforehand, already sold out. These are teams that have not been there apart from Frölunda. They're wanting CHL action. They're wanting the semi-final ticket. Um, guys, I don't know what you're thinking. And I, apparently, I've come across as someone who's a bit pro-CHL, but these semi-finals are just mouth-watering. In terms of actual games and, and the quality we're going to see, it's going to be difficult to choose between which one to watch. I, I definitely agree on that one. And I've been watching not a lot of the CHL games as it, as the season's gone on, and there's been so many brilliant games that they've come down straight to like, like the the wire, pretty much. Like they could say that the last 
30 seconds of the game in the third period, you're thinking, oh yeah, this team's won it. No. <laughs> and other teams come back and just got to go on and run it in overtime or on penalty shots. It's the kind of hockey you want to see as a, a neutral hockey fan. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I think, uh, I speak for myself, Joe and Dave, and we said that uh, it's great to see three teams that we are self confided of fanboys of.
I don't I don't know. And that's that, I, I love this competition. I, I'm 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 a fully paid up member of the the CHL. I I, I love it every season. And it's it's become a tournament that's really good. And it's you know you see the like you said before. Austrian, German, Swedish, Czech team in the semi-finals. Normally, it would have been all Swedish to finish. You've seen the growth and results from the Belarusian teams, the Polish teams, so the, the, and Rouen making it through the knockout stage, and lastly, Nottingham. So the, the teams are not the top level in Europe are now growing in confidence and making them movements in the tournament. You know, I mean, as someone from a, a football background watching the Football Champions League, and you see, you know, that tournament, which is, is, is a great tournament, um... And obviously, you know, Graf can testify as this team's won it a few times in the last 20 years. And you want to be part of them tournaments. You want to, you want to be associated with these tournaments. Hockey now has that tournament. That tournament, you can go, this is ours. And I mentioned before, when, when I was in North America, their fans, the NHL, only care about the NHL. Actually, now I've mentioned, oh, I've heard of the CHL, I've watched the CHL. So it's now on the conscience of, of hockey fans around the world. And as Europeans... Maybe you know, it depends how Brexit goes. We've got that tournament now, and you know, long may it continue. And that's why I, that's why I get excited about it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I don't understand why people don't want to be involved with it. Um, obviously, we we've been lucky enough to travel to see the games in the CHL in the Conti Cup. Um, I, I have to say, in terms of an experience, in terms of the travel and and the whole event. The Conti Cup for me was slightly better. I, I, I think that was just generally because you were going to one place and seeing three, four games. Whereas obviously the CHL, when we went to Salzburg, it was very much flying one day, the games the day after and fly back the day after that. So it's very condensed compared to the Conti Cup. But in terms of the actual, you know, the, the hockey, uh, I mean, you look, you look at when we went to Salzburg, we got absolutely spanked by Red Bull Salzburg. And, you know, I would have, I would have, I would have gone on a plane and gone back to Salzburg the day after we landed back in Sheffield, even if it resulted in the same spanking again. But just because the whole thing was just fantastic, the quality of the hockey was amazing, the atmosphere in that rink was electric, um, even if you had the flashing lights all the time and the um, I will survive goal music. But uh, it, yeah, it, it, it's just a phenomenal tournament and I, I don't understand why people don't want to be involved in it. And you look the year before when Sheffield played for London the first time round, a quarter of that team, literally within days, went off to North America for NHL training camps. That's his standard. You know, we, we don't get, we due to time difference, we don't get to see NHL, but we get a, a tournament now has that's getting closer to that standard. Do you know what interests me? I, I, I'll throw it out to you guys to see what you think. I wonder if people don't like the CHL because they're not as sure about European hockey like I mean if you're a, if you're a first time hockey fan or you, you you know you're relatively new to the sport or you've just got no interest of um, you know international hockey you're only interested in the domestic league nothing wrong with that but the only other league really that you'll be aware of then is the NHL I mean I, I like to think that in fairness I mean even I've mentioned the KHL before and had people say, well, what's that? And that baffles me because the KHL is one of the top quality leagues in the world. But I just wonder if people kind of, obviously they magnetise themselves to their own domestic league. The only other league really that they're aware of is the NHL and the AHL. And so they don't see the point in taking part in the CHL as a tournament because it crosses over that line of uncertainty because they don't know what's on the other side in terms of European hockey. 
I think from a from a UK perspective, um, for a number of years, it was always deemed the Conti Cup was a waste of time. You get injuries, we well, shouldn't be bothering, we shouldn't be wasting our time with this. So it was always in this got the 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 2000, the early Z, it was always kind of a shouldn't be bothering. This ingrained in, in, in the psyche of the fans that it's a tournament that you're just going to pick up injuries and it's, it's, it's pointless. And even fairness, after the, the Conti Cup final last year when Sheffield lost Rob Dowd, people say, well, we should, what, what are we doing bothering with this? It's that old kind of adage of European hockey is soft, European hockey is not entertaining, it, it's, it's none of this, we're just going to get injuries. It's just, you know, basically lumberjacks are nice. Now, you, I mean, thanks to free, free sport, my apologies, you get to see the SHL, the KHL. Um, I can't remember the actual website, uh, but the streaming of the, the DEL and the EBBL for free. So you now, nowadays, you get the chance to see these leagues and to learn and, and for me, enjoy these leagues. Um, I mean, there's been a numerous times. I mean, I know Gref's a big follower of the, um, the NLA in Switzerland. Um and you now have this opportunity to see these leagues and actually see what they're about. Whereas, like you said, you know, it's kind of a, well, we can't win this, so what's the point? We're going to get injuries. We shouldn't be doing that. Let's, you know, it, to me, it was like, we'd rather, from a Sheffield perspective, we'd rather win the Yorkshire Cup than play in Europe. And for me, it's, it's short-sighted. And you probably say the same for Nottingham, we'd rather win the Atlantic Cup or play in Europe. Or whatever pre-season tournament, or whatever small warm tournament that you play. It's, it, for me, it's, it was a short-sighted view, still is. You now have the chance to see these leagues and to see the quality and see the entertainment. I mean, everyone said years ago, European hockey was soft. The amount of games you see in, in, in Sweden, Finland, Switzerland, the KHL, that is far from soft. Hits are plenty. Physical, good, clean, physical hockey, which is what the British hockey fans have been, grown up, have been fed for years, and long may it continue. You, you have the hockey on your doorstep in Europe. And I, I've said it numerous times, and I, you now have a standard that is just entertaining, it's just great to watch. Why would you not want to watch it? I yeah, totally agree with that as well. It's mainly because, like, with the storm, the preseason just gone, where we had, we had uh, Alberg, and they were in the CHL. We played them in the, one, of the, one of the friendly games. That was... That was good to watch. I mean, it was better than watching us play against Coventry or Fife or Nottingham in like a preseason. It's like we're going, we're already going to play them several times this season. We should be watching us play against someone decent. Well, not in a sense decent because most of those teams are decent. It's more of like someone else that's not a British hockey British hockey team. Even watching some teams in the DEL too, you, you see the different styles of play. And seeing those different styles of play compared to what you're used to over the course of the season is a lot, so much better. Because you get to have a taste of it in your own rink, in your own yard. And then if you get the CHR, like Cardiff have been the past two years, you guys have, Nottingham have, Brayhead, or as we were then, but now Glasgow. Having that in your backyard, you're playing teams that have got like NHL prospects or former NHL players. You'd be like, yeah, I've just watched you play 70 games last year for Buffalo or for Islanders. 
I definitely want to see you in person. Yeah, I think it is uh, that more side of not really knowing what that league or what the European sort of style of play is. Uh, you know, it, it's just that just not, just not knowing exactly what it, it's going to bring. Um, but I think it was Service TV you were thinking of, Dave. That was it. Uh, they are on Facebook. Yeah. They are on Facebook, and then I do uh, suggest you give them a follow because uh, a lot of the time I do do live Facebook videos, uh, mostly of uh, Swatsburg and uh, the huge German teams as well. So if you're at loose end, I, I recommend you do watch them games because they're really good ones. I must remember um, me and Griffin watching yeah. the uh, EBBL final um, on that, that Facebook stream. So, you know, it's not just the odd game they were showing the, 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 top, the top end of that season. So, yeah. Griff, you mentioned the Alborg Pirates. Why are the Alborg Pirates such a good hockey team? Oh, God. You made the CHL. That's all I can say. That was what my stance was on. Nice. I mean, they're on the, the same... I say the Danish League's probably on the same par as the Elite League. But they were still... I mean, I know when you guys played them, you tore down their pants and you spanked them. But, like... We were just as good. <laughs> Griff, you kind of gave me a very worded answer to that question when actually the only thing I was looking for was why. <laughs> it was supposed to be a joke. Uh, and the answer is, because they are. Um, anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll draw a line under that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's move on from that. The last, the last thing I'll say about this before we move on um, and draw a line under this, because I know we could talk about European hockey until the sun goes down and comes back up again. Um, probably more accurately comes back up again because we're, we're getting close to 1am uh, while we're recording this um, but the thing that interests me the thing that I find quite funny to an, one aspect and quite hypocritical another is that a lot of the people that you see complaining about as entering the Conti Cup the CHL are the same people that made the argument when we were having the conferences of oh I'm fed up of seeing us play Nottingham 20 times a season so what kind of fight are we trying to win here? Because you're watching the top, you're watching your, your team play their closest rivals a number of times a season. That's not good enough because you've seen each other too many times. And then all of a sudden you've got a chance to play two games against international opposition that you're probably not going to see for the next five years. And oh, we shouldn't be getting involved because Robert Dowd might sprain his leg when he steps off the plane as he touches down in Denmark. Why, why is that... Why is that a thing? If we if we started going on that, we wouldn't be taking we we wouldn't be having training. Players wouldn't be going to the gym. Players would just be like going round on movable beds all day because they could get injured as they step out of bed in the morning. Like why why are we suddenly looking at pro hockey players and going? Oh, actually, we're not going to bother in that tournament because he might get injured. Like I like that idea for my own work. Um, you know, the time I was just staying in bed for my own work. I don't mind that idea. It sounds pretty perfect to me, mate. I'm not gonna lie, but. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. but yeah, no, as I say, we'll draw a line under that so no we could talk about that until the cows come home. Um, so, Dave, I believe we've had a few questions on social media. We have, uh, and thank you very much. Uh, first question from Jack Dale. Um, like I say, thank you very much for sending through. Uh, two parts, sir. Um, we kind of touched on it earlier on, but we'll kind of finish it off now. Do you think Guildford could win the Challenge Cup? For out to everyone yeah. else. I think, yeah. I think they could do, definitely. I think they have every chance. I think they'll make the final. And when you make the final, you roll the dice and you go from there. 
Yeah, I, I could definitely see him uh, making the final for sure. Winning is definitely a possibility, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised because the job that um, Paul Dixon, the, the, the job team, yeah, Paul Dixon, the job that he's doing down there is phenomenal, and the players that he's brought in, uh, you know, the, 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 the absolutely class. So I can see them winning it for sure. Yeah, I, I can see them winning it. Um, I have to admit, if I was sat with £5 in my betting account and uh, was going to put it on anybody, I, to be honest with you, I wouldn't put it on anyone in this. I, because I genuinely think this is the first time that I look at it and go, I could genuinely see any of the four teams getting the win. Um, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even write out Glasgow as the, la, as the lowest seed. I mean, they've shown what they can do if they're underestimated. Um, but... Out of the four, if I was going to put money on it, I'd put it on Guildford, to be honest. I think um, Barrasso touched on it in his interview post-game after the first leg. Um, he said that they've, they've got such an aggressive defensive style. Um, teams go playing playing against them and they get on a power play. They think, oh, we're going to dance it around and score some pretty goals. And Barrasso, as, as, a, as a two-time Stanley Cup winning netminder, as, as a guy with so much experience under his belt, and even he said, you've got to play against Guildford like you're playing 5-on-5 five five because their, their, their PK is just so aggressive. Um, and, and it's just the way they play. I mean, you, you don't see a team that has, like Calais Akerud is just as one example. Um, but like they have like two of the top five point scorers in the league and they're both demon. It's just unreal. Like their team, when they are on form, are, are one of, if not the best team in the league if they're playing on form. Um, and I can so see them winning the Challenge Cup. And I'll be honest, I've never left a game against Guildford once since they've been in the Elite League. Uh, I will ignore the crossover game many years ago. It was a boring nil-nil. I've never left a game thinking I'm, I was bored. I've been thoroughly entertained. The way they play the game... It's, it's on your edge. It's, it's it's just great hockey. Physical, skillful. The pack is the whole package. Paul Dixon's getting and playing a very good uh, brand of hockey. Um, and it's good to see one of the teams that stepped up last year uh, do that. So the second question from from Jack. Um, as always, who is your money on for winning the league? I go with. I I kind of want to go with Belfast. Because they are, they are doing unbelievable in the league at the moment. At the start of the year, I'd probably said the Hottigan, but I think the stub that they've had, they've had from last few weeks is, is going to cost them in, in that race. Uh, and then Belfast looking right now, especially you know with uh, with Villiers unfortunately leaving, but as as we discussed earlier, the the budget that he must have been on must have been. Uh, I cut up with a lot of the rest in the league, so with that kind of money, it'd be for me to see, well, great to see who they can bring in. Uh, but uh, as a team, as a team as a whole, uh, there's just so many great players on that side, and they're not first now in, in the league for nothing, so you know, I, I think they will, will probably win it in the end. Yeah, um, on paper at the start of the season, I agree, I'd have said Nottingham. Um, I know I said before we, before the league started, I thought they were the most impressive and exciting team to see. I think a lot of that was down to the KHL experience that they had. Um, a lot of teams in the league having a lot of NHL and AHL experience, but they really, really went over and above the, in, in terms of KHL games. Um, forms dropped off a little bit, maybe a little bit down to the chops and changes constantly. Um, they are having quite a, like a frequent turnaround in terms of players. 
Um, I wouldn't write them out, but I, I wouldn't have them as the, the team I'd put the money on. Um, starting form, 10, 15 games in, I'd have said five. Um, but again, hit a slump, not looking too great at the moment. Got to agree with you guys, to be honest. Belfast, I know that we talked about it um, with uh, with the guys from A View from the Bridge. Obviously, one of the things they said is it's, it's, you know, it's unseen to see a team go into the, the second half of the season um, having such a good form going in. Obviously, they had that fantastic away run uh, as they hit Sheffield. Um, I, I honestly, as long as they don't go into the second half of the season assuming that they're going to get the win, um, I, I can see Belfast lifting the silverware at the end for the cup, for the for the league. I'm I'm leading towards Belfast, um, doing the, the the job. The 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 away stretch and the points they got on that away stretch was phenomenal. Um, they had a similar uh, for last year. They had a great away form and it tailed off with the home stretch. So that'd be the crucial thing. But if if I was the bad person, I think my money would go on Belfast. Um, so so thanks Jack for that question. Uh, the next one from uh, Mal Smethurst. Thank you very much. And it was some of that we, we've spoke a bit offline, so we'll, we'll kind of bring it to the floor here. Considering the speculation that Tom Barrasso is not doing the recruiting and just coaching, does the panel think that Paul Thompson had the harder job? And was there a conflict of interest in this? Now, just before we kind of go into sort of the discussion from us four, on the interview that Barrasso said, he's mentioned that he's never watched um, John Armstrong, his recent signing, um, and he's just gone on the elite prospect. So there's a lot of discussion that the signings that's been in Sheffield have had to be by someone else. Gents, what are, you, what are your thoughts to this? Yeah, it's um, it's a strange it's a strange one for me. Uh, you know, you look at a coach as not just a coach, but to bring in you know players uh, of of that he will think will make a difference. And so far, we've not seen much of that. But you can imagine the sort of contacts that Barasso must have and, and the respect as a whole that the guy has, uh, especially for his two Stanley Cup wins. So I would like to see him make more of his own signings, but based on judging that he's not seen uh, the players like Westerling, like Armstrong, uh, well, nearly couldn't accept that as a player for MK, but um, I'd like to see him make more signings of, off his own accord and what he wants to bring in because I don't know, but I've got a feeling that he might not stick around in Sheffield next season. I, I think he may get a, a job maybe elsewhere on, on a better, in, a, in a better sort of format or, or league. Uh, so from my point of view, I, I, I want to see him make signs that he wants to bring in, not just someone that you know he's been told that I'll oh, bring this player back to play for his last year. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that John Armstrong isn't a good player uh, because he is, uh, but like I said, the contacts that I must have, you know. I want to see him bringing players that he know is gonna is gonna make a difference. He's gonna push us towards that that, that possibility of, of a playoff win or bolster bolsters up the league. So yeah, it, I want to see him bringing players that he he wants to. I think yeah, it's for me. I think more that he just wants to do the coaching side at the moment until like next season, so in the summer, summer summertime, if he's still with you guys, that's when you'll see his type of players come through. I think this is more of, it's come from like the back office, where they've gone, oh, this player's going to be available soon. He was really good for us, 
we kind of need the bodies. What do you think? He probably just go, yeah, fine, whatever. As long as they've got the bodies and he's someone that can vote the points, I don't really think he's going to be that far too bothered. Yeah, I think one thing that people seem to be forgetting is Barrasso's background as an NHL player. And then you look at the way that it works in the NHL, the coach doesn't sign the team. The coach coaches the team that they're given. The GM signs the team. Now, I know that there were some people saying that they wanted to see Tomo go as a coach and stay as a GM. Um, and in fairness, you know, it, I, I don't know. I, I'm 50-50 because now people are saying it was, oh, it was the recruitment. Then people are saying it wasn't the recruitment. To be honest, it's not a debate that I want to get into. But that's one thing that we've got to keep in mind is that Barrasso comes from an NHL background and in the NHL, the coach doesn't sign a team. Regardless of that, I don't necessarily think that this is a case that Barrasso is not making his own signings. I think Westerling was signed just as Barrasso came in. Uh, we needed a body. We needed a change. Um, I think that was... In fairness, when Tomo left, he said that he, he was trying to convince a player to come back. So it may have already been the case that that was underway. It may have been the case that Barrasso just kind of said, yeah, we need a body in, bring him in, and then if he's no good, we'll just we'll just chop him back out again. You, you, we don't know how that's gone on. Um, Neely, as you say, he had a bit of a look in at him. He could, he could see the stats from last season playing for Sheffield. He could see the stats from this season playing for MK. So he got a bit, pretty decent idea as to what he was going to be like. Um, I think you saw him in MK before he made the signing as well. So, as you say, that's the bit of the exception. The other signing uh, in John Armstrong, a signing that all the fans wanted. You look at his stats, his stats are phenomenal across the few seasons that he's played for Sheffield. His stats don't lie. When you see a player with stats like that that's played recently in the league, had he played 10 years ago in Sheffield, and then he'd gone, actually, yeah, we'll bring him back. He had good stats last time. I'd have been going, hmm, okay, fair enough. Well, you know, his stats might have changed, his ability might have changed. But realistically, he played for Sheffield last season. He's gone to play for uh, for Zagreb. Obviously, there's a, there's a few issues in Zagreb. Um, and, you know, the people at the club have obviously turned around, or, or you know, whoever it is has turned around to him and said, look, this guy's got a lot of ability about him. This guy's this guy's a good player to bring in. Um, his stats look good. He's a guy that knows the league. He's a guy that knows the team. I think it was a no-brainer signing. I don't necessarily think it wasn't Barrasso's own. The only other one is Ben O'Connor, and again, no-brainer signing. You look at his stats, you see the fact he's a British D-man. You're not going to turn your nose up at it. I mean, we've brought up a D-man from the NIHL to cover for Davy Phillips just because there's no British D-man available. We've got a chance to sign a British D-man like that. We're going to do it. Then you look at the signings he's brought in. Um, you know we've we've got we've got Matt Climey in net. I, I I'm liking the look of Climey. Comes out of his net a bit. It nearly cost us a couple of times against Guildford where there were a few dodgy bounces in front of the net. But generally speaking, make, making some good signs and a goalie with a bit of persona about him, which I like. Um, and then obviously Deluca as well. Deluca's taken a bit of criticism from people in the Steelers fan base um, I can only think that's because of his lack of point production because to me he looks like he's got some seriously impressive skill um, he, some of the moves that he's made and some of the passes that he's made he shows some serious vision and some serious playmaking ability I think he just needs to, to, to get a few more points on the board get the monkey off his back and, and I think he'll be a player at the end of the season that we want to see come back so 
Barrasso's brought some of his own guys in. He's brought some other guys that, that were here last season and then have, have obviously become available again. I, I can't see a massive issue. I agree with you, Andy, that I'd like to see him bring in some more of his own players, but with the players he's brought in, I, I, I can't see an issue. And as I say, you've just got to think about the way it runs in the NHL. I think also, I mean, the years gone by um, in Sheffield, you had Dave Sims actually be one of the uh, the, the agents, so how he had his own contacts. And the rumours are, in terms of getting the Armstrong, started actually by Matheson, in terms of his contacts and being able to get Armstrong to to, to consider, then obviously the, the club finished the deal. So I wouldn't be surprised if they them two have kind of gone, right, we know these players, we know these players, blah, 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 blah. Do you, what do you reckon there, Tom? And I give you going through the play. Here's Ben O'Connor. He'll have known. Cause, you know, he'll know. Division 1A World Champs, Defender Tournament, yeah, we'll sign him. We can, can we do it? Yeah, let's sign him. I won't be surprised if they've gone to him and they've gone the same with other players, but he'll have had the final say. Um, but like I say, I, I, I must admit, I did kind of edge my, my thought process off. Was it the GMs that signed the players of the NHL? And not the coach. I know the coach didn't have much to say. I know they may have discussed, but I know the actual. I weren't 100 certain if it was the final say was the GM or not. Um, but I, you know, if it's so long as Barrasso can get the best out of that player, from a Sheffield perspective, I don't think there should be an issue. I don't think there should be a, a care, if I'm honest. Um, if Barrasso's shown what he wants. He's demonstrated what he wants, and he's been upfront and honest in all his interviews. What he wants, what he's how he wants his team to play. So whoever makes the signings, as long as they match that. I mean, I know that to make the three lines of D, Deluca was the one who was the healthy scratch um, in Guildford. So he's shown that he, he's prepared to, you know, rest people that isn't up to what he wants. So he, he set the he set the standard, and so long as okay, basically whoever brings whichever player in, so long as they match that standard, I don't think Brasso's going to care. If, if I'm brutally honest. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, that covers that question. So, so thanks, Mal, for that one. And for anybody who's listening, do send your stuff, do send your questions. Um, you know, it gives us something else to talk about. And it, uh, it, you know, it, it pads out the uh, the podcast. Uh, and, and there are many ways that you could get in touch with us, Joe. There are, yeah. I like the way you come back to me for the social media um, plug. Um, Twitter, we are at MSZ Podcast. Um, Facebook, we are My Fancy Zamboni Podcast. My Fancy Zamboni Podcast was a little bit wordy to put as a handle on Twitter, so uh, we had to condense that a little bit. But uh, yeah, there are ways that you can get hold of us on Twitter or, or on Facebook. As Dave says, get in touch with questions, get in touch with feedback. Um, you know, we love to hear from from you guys. We love to hear the questions that you've got to ask. Uh, and as Dave says, it gives us something else to talk about that you know that, that we might not might not necessarily think about. Um, we have one more item on the agenda as usual. Um, it is the upcoming fixtures. Uh, we do have a lot of them, but we'll try and get through them as swiftly as possible. Um, with the Christmas break kind of coming up, it's difficult for us to say when we're going to be recording next. So what we're going to do? What we're going to do? The next game. There's actually been a game tonight. We're recording on Thursday, the twentieth. So uh, the Cardiff Devils have actually beat Milton Keynes three 0 tonight. Um, the next game will be the twenty first of December, and we'll run through until next Friday just to make sure that we've got all those games covered. Um, so 
looking at this, I'm not going to note these down either because there's so many of them. So looking at this, Friday 21st of December, Giants versus Storm in Belfast. What do we reckon, guys? Giants. Giants. Was that both of you saying Giants then? It was, yeah. Okay, yeah, I go with Giants as well. So we've got a full house on the first one. Um, second game of that matchup, Saturday 22nd of December, Giants Storm again in the second game. Giants. Giants. Yeah, I'll say Giants as well, unfortunately. I'll go against the grain. I'm going to say Manchester in that one. I think they'll split the points. Um, then we've got Cardiff Dundee in Cardiff on the Saturday. Cardiff. 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 And Cardiff, we've got another full house. Um, Nottingham versus Milton Keynes in Nottingham. 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 Yeah, I'm going to say Nottingham as well. Again, I'm going to go against the grain, Milton Keynes. Um, I'm tempted to Milton Keynes, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I just think Nottingham are on a bit of a... Um, they're on a bit of a downward spiral at the minute. They may have got a couple of wins, but, you know... They've obviously uh, they've got, got a loss against the Flames the other day. I, just, I don't know, I've just got a good feeling about Milton Keynes on that one. Um, we have Sheffield versus Guildford in Sheffield. Can Barrasso get the first win for the Steelers for a while against Guildford? Guildford. Guildford. Yes, they can. Sheffield. Yeah, I'm going to stick to being a bit of a homer on this one. I'm going to say Sheffield as well. Um, and then the final game on that Saturday, Fife versus Glasgow in Fife. 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 I'm going to go Glasgow. I'm going against the grain on a lot of these today. Um, you are too, aren't you? I know. Um, it's just because I want to try and beat you guys in terms of like who's getting more right. Um, Sunday... I'll give up on that contest, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sunday 23rd of December we have Glasgow versus Sheffield in Glasgow Glasgow Sheffield I'm going to go Glasgow I'm going to stick with you Dave against Sheffield again um, Dundee versus Nottingham in Dundee 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 as well yeah I fancy Dundee in this one I'm going to go Nottingham. <laughs> um, Coventry versus Milton Keynes in Coventry. Milton Keynes. There's some thought yeah, going into this one. Milton Keynes for ref. And was that MK from you as well, Andy? Yeah. yeah I'm going to go Coventry. <laughs> I'm genuine. I'm not doing this intentionally, but... Um, you go opposite to all our things, Panther jokes. Fine. Yes, I know. West Greenwich other week. Sunday again, last game on Sunday. Guildford versus Cardiff in Guildford. Guildford. Cardiff. Cardiff. Yeah, I'm going to go Cardiff. And they committed well against the grain this time round. Um, then on to post-Christmas games, we have Boxing Day. Wednesday the 26th of December, um, the the good old Sheffield-Nottingham derby, as it were. Nottingham versus Sheffield in Nottingham. Who's going to get the win? Sheffield. Sheffield. I'm going to say Panthers. I am not going to be Panther Joe on this one. I'm going to say Sheffield again. <laughs> um, Storm versus Glasgow in Manchester. 
Storm. Storm. Star. Storm. So full house on that one. Uh, Blaze versus Cardiff in, in the Sky Dome. I'm going to say Coventry. I guess it's Cardiff. Cardiff. And Cardiff again. Um, Milton Keynes, Guildford in MK. Guildford. Guildford. Yeah, full house for Guildford on that one. Final game on Boxing Day, Dundee versus Fife in Dundee. Dundee. Fife. Dundee. It's difficult, this one, isn't it? I'm going to say Dundee. Um, Thursday, 27th of December, um, we have Fife versus Dundee. Again. Fife. 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 Fife again. We'll go for the home win on that one. Cardiff, Coventry in Cardiff. 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 Cardiff again. Uh, Guildford and Milton Keynes in Guildford. 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 And Guilford again, so another full house. Uh, we have a free sports game. It's the return leg of the Steelers-Panthers um, double game. Um, it is in Sheffield. I'll kick this one off. I will say Nottingham. Sheffield. 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 Ooh, I'm back against the grain again. Um, Panther Joe strikes again. Uh, there it is. There it is. Like, can I have a T-shirt made that says Panther Joe on the front? Um, as long as the playoffs, mate. <laughs> that'll be my shirt of hurt. Um, and then we have Glasgow versus Manchester again. Uh, against in Glasgow, should I say? Glasgow. Glasgow. I'm going to say Manchester. Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. On that, I was going to say Manchester. Uh, and then the final game that we'll discuss today is the Friday, the 28th of December. It's Belfast against Milton Keynes. Belfast. Belfast. And full house for Belfast to finish off the fixtures. Um, same disclaimer as always, we've given it once already, but please do not put any accumulators on based on our predictions with any hopes. Um, we are terrible at predicting, as the numbers that I read out at the start of the podcast Um show and reflect um, but as I said last time if you do get some winnings because of our predictions we uh, we wouldn't mind having some royalties so you know let us know uh, but no let basically us... if you put a fiver in our accumulator you lose a fiver pretty much yeah pretty much um, I felt two quid <laughs> stick with a two pound stick with a safe bet <laughs> anyway gents that brings us to an end of this uh, this pre-Christmas podcast um as we've already said, uh, Twitter, it's at MFZ Podcast. On Facebook, it's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast. Um, I think we're probably closer to the hour and a half mark again this week, but we're still keeping the length down. We're not going to the two-hour mark. Um, so, yeah, thank you to everybody that's listening. As you say, send any feedback, any questions via f- uh, social media. Um, if you can, hit that retweet button or the share button. Uh, you know, We want to get this out as far as possible. Hopefully, it'll also enable us to get a bit more content and maybe a few more interviews for you guys as well. Um, but yeah, for now, um, everybody, we hope from everybody at My Fancy Zamboni, we hope you have a, a very good Christmas and a very happy new year. Um, Dave, Merry Christmas and thank you very much. Yes, Merry Christmas to you, Joe, and to Greg and Andy and uh, to everyone else listening. And uh, thank you for another evening of entertainment. 
Thank you very much. That had a much more positive tone than the message you sent me earlier on. Um, <laughs> same to you, Andy. Merry Christmas, and thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you all, uh, and thank you much again. And Greth, Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. Hope Santa brings you a new pair of front teeth. We know that's never going to happen. But Isn't there a Christmas song that's uh, about uh, Santa bringing teeth? All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yes, but no. Merry Christmas to you all and to everyone that's listening. All right, Griff. Nobody asked for your, for your life story. Just said I don't. All you need to do is say bye. <laughs> uh, but no, thank you very much for listening. Um, and as I say, everybody have a merry Christmas. Thank you very much.